0: to Not Another Wellness Podcast. This is Natalie Dollinger, your host, and welcome to the last episode of 2018. I think today's episode is very fitting for the end of the year because it's actually an interview of me. Yep. You heard it right. It's my story told for the very first time on the podcast. It's the first time I was ever interviewed, the first time I ever opened up about my past and was able to share a lot of my stories of travel. To give you some backstory, last January, right when this podcast originated, I won tickets to PodFest 2018, and it took place in Orlando, Florida. So I took two days off from work, flew down to Orlando, not knowing much about the podcast industry yet, not knowing what PodFest would be like, but was given this opportunity thanks to Buzzsprout, which is the podcast hosting company or podcast hosting site that I use to publish my episodes. They're amazing. Check them out if you're interested in starting a podcast. And everyone from Buzzsprout that I met is incredibly helpful and passionate about the industry. And it's a very cool business that they started. Anyways, I flew down to Florida, arranged a roommate scenario. So I met the amazing, incredible, spontaneous, fun, adventurous Lori from the Wiener Dog Lovers podcast. And we shared a room together, got to know each other, talked about our passions. Lori hadn't started her podcast yet, so she was there to kind of get ideas. I had just started mine, but I needed a lot of help kind of framing what I wanted it to be. It sort of started as a quasi New Year's resolution where I wanted to connect with people on a deeper level. I wanted to talk about Passion. I wanted to share stories so that they could inspire other people, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted that to look like and who I was going to talk with and what my voice might be and if I even had any confidence to do it. PodFest was an amazing experience because it did help me get out of my shell. It helped me name the podcast, not another wellness podcast. And I met amazing people that had started just with an idea, just like me, and had turned their podcast into something fantastic. Lori and I had so much fun attending all the different little seminars together, and one day at the end of the night, she spotted Andy Kushner in the crowd, and she insisted that we go over and talk to him. She was a big fan of his podcast and knew a lot about him and and was so excited that he was at PodFest. So I got to meet Andy, and in talking to Andy, we talked a little about my show and what my ideas were for getting it started, and he suggested that he interview me for his podcast, potentially, but also and mostly as a way for me to open up and be more vulnerable. Andy, in his experience, explained that to be a good podcast host, you have to understand what it's like to be interviewed and understand the position that you're putting your guests in. And at the same time, in asking other people to open up and express about their lives, you have to be willing to do the same. So I've had this podcast recording for a couple of months now, and I've kind of sat on it and thought about when I wanted to publish it and under what terms. And it was right at the beginning when the show had just started. I was eager to share my story, but very nervous about it and Andy gave me that space and he gave me the confidence to talk about my life, to open up and to share and to tell the world what I have to say. And that I am so grateful for. I'm so grateful that he recorded this interview and that he sent it to me so that I can share it with all of you. A little bit about Andy. He is the CEO and founder of Kushner Entertainment. He grew up as a young musician started off playing the trumpet, and always had a passion for music. He went on to work in corporate America, and then he ended up starting Sound Connection, and most recently, Kushner Entertainment. Today, Andy is a world-renowned, published, award-winning celebrity entertainment designer, and he has two podcasts. One is called The Wedding Biz, and the second one is called Extraordinary Ordinary People. Andy was so kind to take time from podcasts to sit down and interview me and allow me that conversation, and I'm so excited to share it with you guys. For most of you, You might follow me on Instagram at Not Another Wellness Podcast. I love sharing bits of my life there and little wellness trends that I'm getting into, but this interview really talks about my upbringing, my experience as being the only girl and youngest of three, being born to two adventurers that have an incredible story themselves that I hope to eventually share on the show, and growing up you know, is it in an upper middle class family, uh, giving the privilege to go to college, to study abroad, to take advantage of all these experiences and how I turned my life into this pursuit of adventure. As I look back at 2018, I can see the change that I've gone through. When I started the podcast last year, I had no idea that in one year I would have 27 episodes. I didn't even imagine I could make these lifelong connections through my guests. I didn't ever imagine quitting my job, moving across the country, being unemployed for over three and a half months. And exploring all Colorado has to offer at the same time. I've been a little bit on a hiatus from actually recording interviews. I was lucky enough to have two amazing conversations in Colorado so far, but I can't wait for more. And I think what I've realized is when you are from a place and you have this community and this network, it's very easy to find people to talk with who friend of a friend who knows this person or that person, and it's very easy to kind of grow that way. But when you're new in a city like Denver, it's hard to kind of break through that. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of businesses, there's a lot of passions, and this girl who just shows up from Connecticut asking for some of your valuable time, I can only imagine that it may not come off as the number one priority for somebody else, if that makes sense. Anyways... I can't wait for what 2019 has to bring. I hope to continue to bring on guests with new ideas within wellness, health. Uh, I want to talk more about spirituality. I want to go deeper into personal development that really speaks to me right now. And I'm very, very grateful as I reflect back for all the listeners. Um, It's been an incredible journey so far. I've gotten amazing feedback from some of you. I love sharing on the Instagram account. So Let's keep it going, shall we? So without further ado, this is my interview with Thanks to Andy Kushner, and I hope you guys like it.
1: So Natalie, we have met at PodFest, a great podcast conference, which happens to be in Orlando, Florida. And you were saying something about how much you have traveled. Just it seems a lot for your age. And also this trip to New Zealand for a year, right after Mm -hmm. college. I mean, all of this really, plus you're a woman, you traveled alone. First of all, where are you from?
0: I'm from Norwalk, Connecticut.
1: Was this something that was typical with your family? Did you travel a lot, vacations?
0: We did. So my parents actually met traveling. So it's kind of been in my blood.
1: No kidding. Tell me the story of that.
0: They. It's actually a really good story. (laughs) They were in the... Early 20s, and they both individually from the U.S. moved down to Venezuela. Um, My mom was a musician, so she's a bassoonist. You know, she plays in orchestras, used to, but she played in orchestras in South America. And my dad is a school administrator. He was teaching at an American school. They met at an election party for one of the presidents. I don't remember which one. Um, And they both were there as, uh, you know just had left separately. One, My dad's from Pennsylvania and my mom's from New York. They both left on their own to go down to Venezuela.
1: Just to, to have like some grand adventure?
0: Basically, yeah. At a time when that wasn't really common at all, and they both decided to leave home. Both are from big families, um, and they took this, I guess, leap of faith to practice Spanish. I think that was a huge one. But they met um, both at this presidential election party and ended up living and traveling together for four years around Whoa. Central and South America.
1: That's really wild.
0: So growing up, I saw the photos. I heard the stories. Ah. A lot of our family vacations were influenced by that. So we went to Spanish-speaking countries. We, we did go to Venezuela as a family, which I don't think you could do now as easily as you could then. And um, I, so I always had an interest in doing something similar.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you have siblings?
0: I have two brothers, yes. Younger, older? They're older.
1: And were they traveling with you? It was like these big family trips
0: they were yeah, they were big family trips. It was never resort towns. we never went to the beach. We went to go be immersed in some kind really,
1: of really the culture, yes.
0: yes, yes,
1: and so how how young like how far back do you remember doing this and and what were the feelings that you can recall
0: i the The Venezuela trip was I was probably only. 10 or 11 at the time. Uh-huh. So that's the first one I can really remember. And I remember just the things that happened now are almost like horror stories for how to not <laughs> travel with your family. So I remember a lot of like feeling like i stood out a lot wherever i was going and not really understanding why so yeah. i had to i remember wearing shorts and my mom said you know you probably should wear pants in this culture they wear pants and i was very confused by that i didn't oh. understand in a tropical culture why
1: yeah the way just the way the guys just are just the way the guys are and
0: getting catcalled and and my at, mom at that age yes. like oh god or i guess my mom and i both and she would say you know it don't take it personally it's different here
1: yeah that's i remember that what what is you also said that some kind of horror stories? Can you tell me one good one?
0: We rented a taxi, so I guess one of the ways to get around there is to rent a taxi cab. You pay him to take you across for hours or a couple of days. Yeah, it's kind of like you like rent a tour
1: guide in a sense. Essentially,
0: he's not. Yeah, but he's just really taking you from point A yeah. to point B. Yeah. So we had um, a taxi driver who had a broken arm, so he was in a sling.
1: Okay. His
0: car windshield was cracked really badly, <laughs> and the speedometer didn't work. So we could oh. tell while we were driving that there was no speed. My parents That's were going to kill me for telling the story. <laughs> but long story short, you know, he had no headlights. There was this whole situation where we had to drive at nighttime, and we were all crammed in this taxi. And he needed—my dad made him get new tires before he even brought what? us anywhere because his tires were bald. So oh, things geez. like that. Can't even believe it. But
1: what a memory looking back, right? It's a good story. It's like a
0: survival story, but we made it. We're fine.
1: Well, so then what happened when you were going to school? I mean, because you went to college, right? Mm -hmm. Where did you go?
0: I went to St. Lawrence University in upstate New York.
1: And what did you study?
0: I studied global studies and minored in Spanish. Huh. But even... Before that, I I did a gap year, and I think when my own travel came into play was during this gap year, which Uh I hate to use that word because people look badly upon it, but I went to South America for three months on a volunteer trip and traveling.
1: What do you mean to volunteer?
0: It's basically a study abroad semester Mm -hmm. where you... Live with different families. You do volunteer work, um, and you live out of a backpack for three months. Um, wow!
1: But but in a community of people, though,
0: there were about twelve of us.
1: Like all so the same age, like all a kids. Program
0: all yeah all, eighteen to twenty two
1: from the United States from the or U.S. Or... Yes. Oh, so I will bet you all got really close. Yes,
0: it was a lot about building the group dynamic. Yeah um a big cultural exchange experience and most of us it was our first time really doing anything like that outside of the family.
1: So what are trip. some of the highlights that you remember from that trip?
0: We I'd never slept in a tent before, so camping was <laughs> was really interesting. Yeah. And we did hikes throughout Machu Picchu and throughout oh, wow. Peru. And that was the first time I ever got a sense of what you know, spirituality of culture of Mm. this just totally different. So I think that's what stands out to me most was just being surrounded by such an intense culture that really had lasted even to current day Yeah, of Peru. It's still such a big presence today.
1: Yeah. That's really fascinating. And that was three months you're saying. Yes. So you, I would think you, you must've come back kind of a changed person.
0: I pretty much got rid of all of my clothes in my closet. I couldn't believe how much stuff I had at home. Oh,
1: right. Because of the disparity with income and just, fa- and possessions and stuff. So, so yeah. you can't, oh, that's right. And you're backpacking. You're and in I'm a backpacking. Tent, with- you're, all of a sudden you have a room and a bed and yes. lamps, right? That and kind all of thing. this
0: excess stuff. So that, yeah. that was a big kind of turning point for me. It was realizing that I don't need to, I didn't need to be have all these things to be happy. It wasn't about the stuff. It yeah. was about the experience.
1: Yeah. Wow. That is it. Well, so what were you thinking when you came back? I mean, in terms of college, were you happy to go to school? Well, I guess you said you you were majoring in global studies. So mm-hmm. that's the connection then there.
0: I met people on that trip that inspired me to go that route. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I had parents who were teachers. I thought maybe teaching, maybe. Um, physical therapy, something like that. And then I met people on that trip who were international studies, international relations majors. So I decided to pursue that in the end as a way to keep my kind of one toe in the travel kind of mindset and just never forget the cultural impact of traveling.
1: You know, I'm curious too, how did your parents feel about this? I mean, I have a daughter, so I'm thinking my, I guess, 18 year old daughter, even though this is a somewhat organized trip, I mean, you're going backpacking in Peru and, and all of that. I mean, how did they feel about it?
0: Surprisingly, they, they couldn't have been more supportive. Hmm. I think they saw me. So the gap year was actually after my freshman year. So oh. I went to college and I felt like, like a lot of people do at that age. I had no idea what I even wanted to study mm-hmm. and felt like I was spending a lot of time just taking courses that weren't necessarily what I wanted, trying to find. Yeah. Um, and I think my parents saw that in me, like the inner struggle of mm. trying to grow up a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think they saw the trip as a way for me to kind of branch out from the norm. And that they could tell that that was something I really wanted. God, so. that's
1: great that there was. A, but, but also, I'm thinking... College, you're, you're, you're a freshman, even though you're not sure what's going on, it takes a lot of courage to then just stop and take that break, doesn't it? I mean, what was that like for you?
0: It was scary. I don't think it, anyone ever advised me to do it. I kind of pushed for it. Mm-hmm. To, to, um, walking into the university and deferring my enrollment uh-huh. for a year was a big, big step. And I didn't really know, it just felt like the only thing i wanted to do was was do something different that was the biggest motivator yeah. i think instead of just continuing to to go to college without really
1: well, being what, on a path what was the reaction of your friends at the time
0: my friends had no idea thought i was crazy 100% <laughs> okay. i think my parents were like okay you know you want to go to latin america we love latin america we met right. there right well yeah go they had it. the travel
1: bug and all of that
0: but most people thought oh you're just delaying Adulthood or you're Mm. delaying making decisions Mm. and that's an escape for you. But it really ended up being a platform.
1: You know, if somehow it was affordable or or there was some kind of a sponsored program where all kids after high school, like before they start college, almost even before they start applying, you know, if they could take take off and have an experience like that, Mm -hmm. I think people would be – they'd have more – they would somehow – Connect with some kind of a passion, have a little more clarity, maybe have more focus when they go into college. You know, I kind of wish everyone could do it.
0: I think it was the single most important thing I did during those formative years. I mean, taking classes is fantastic. But if you don't know who you are, if you've never been challenged Mm -hmm. or put outside of your comfort zone or ever thought about the way other people live, Mm -hmm. I mean, your life could – that's fine. A lot of people never change, make a change or go outside of their – little bubble but I think I wish it was you know obviously the privilege I did have the ability to go on this trip and it did cost you know what a college tuition would be more or less it's not something that everybody might have access to but if you do I think it should be culturally more accepted. I don't think it's as, as accepted to take a break
1: like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and especially today's society. I mean, even when I went to college decades ago, I mean, just the pressure. I, I remember feeling like you. I was in my freshman year, and it was just like I was taking all the requirements. I mean, you know, there was a professor that I ran into who became like a mentor, and, and that made it a better experience for me. But I remember thinking to myself just like, ah, this is not – you know, and I didn't have that courage. You had to just take, I don't even know if it occurred to me, actually, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. and what about people that you met on the trip, not from the United States, but there, who, who lived there? Did you meet make relationships with people who lived in South America?
0: I did. I mean, I'll never forget my fr- the host families I live with. I, yeah. I actually think back to what they their lives and what they would be doing now. Very often, it was a big wake up call. I mean, I slept on a dirt floor <laughs> and um, in the in the cold Andes, you know, mountains with wow. not enough blankets. Oh and boy, the, the experiences were something that I could have dealt with as I was 19 at the time. It was easy for me to sleep on the ground and not shower often and (laughs) get sick from the water and things like that. But that, it was through those really hard experiences that you create these bonds with people because Mm. you're you're going through it together. So Mm -hmm. not only obviously the group I was with, um, we all motivated, we were all motivated similarly, but Uh we really did. Have incredible conversations, and we opened up in a way I don't think any of us had ever mm. done, which is is important for human connection. And then just the the people we were meeting, um, not even just the families, we did get to volunteer with these nonprofit organizations. One of them, uh, a reforestation project, we uh-huh. were planting trees for just a couple of days. So it was more like exposure. Yeah, we did an after school program for for kids with their parents who work late. So basically after school hours, homework, help, hmm. and just kind of like daycare, kind of like childcare. Mm-hmm. Um, meeting the people that started those where they know the need is so great. And they, a lot of them, most of them were from Peru already in Ecuador. So it was just those inspiring people. I mean, they made the trip just, just yeah. feeling their passion, feeling the passion behind, you know, what they were, Their purpose. Well,
1: I'm also thinking about the difference in priorities. Like you said, you came home and you have all this stuff and possessions, and you know, that must have been so interesting experiencing that too.
0: Right. And the contrast between how much money how much things cost here mm-hmm. and to go there and realize how far it could get you. Yeah. Um, and just, just the difference between how far your dollar is valued in a different culture. It was just eye opening. who knew yeah. you know, that you could eat off $2 a day. Oh.
1: So, so you come back, you, you start going to college, you've got three years left. And, and what was that I, just overall? What was that experience like for you?
0: Yeah, it was. So I ended up taking the whole year off and I did some more traveling. Um, with a friend.
1: Oh, really? After the three After months? After the three Where months. Where did you go?
0: I went to India first.
1: Whoa. With, with a friend?
0: With a friend from that trip, actually.
1: Uh, another woman or a man? Another woman. Whoa. Because I'm thinking, hmm, it just sounds like there could be some safety concerns <laughs> or no?
0: This is the one that my parents, looking back, would never have sent okay, me again. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I came with such momentum from the first trip. Uh-huh. I felt like I learned, I did learn how to travel on Well, trip. so
1: you felt empowered. Felt
0: empowered. I mm-hmm. felt like I had this momentum to, and I wanted to go everywhere yeah. after that. And luckily, I met a friend who did too i don 't think my parents were as supportive as this one, but they kind of gave me their support, mm. which I give them a lot of credit for because, like you said, as a parent i 'm the only girl, the youngest, mm. yeah um sending her on a plane across the world to a developing country. Where you've never been, you don't know the culture, mm-hmm. at least with Latin America, they had some familiarity. This yeah. was a big step.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I don't know that communication was as easy right. out in India Yeah, to stay in touch.
0: So that was another volunteer experience, uh, teaching English um, without any preparation. Hmm. They kind of threw me into a classroom, essentially uh-huh. said, teach them. Really? <laughs> okay. So that was a lot of, you know... That was interesting for me. Yeah, and you're
1: 19, 19 and a half. How long were you in India?
0: I was in India for six weeks. Uh um, Did some traveling, but mostly stayed with another family. I think that was a big thing that... the most value I found was, was actually living with a family gave you exposure mm. to an actual family lifestyle. Yeah, you're
1: experiencing it the real way, the yes. culture, all of it. Right. Was there a language barrier though with the family?
0: Yes. Um, not everyone speaks English yeah. in India, not even close. And there were a lot of times where, you know, you're misled with directions. Mm-hmm. Luckily their neighbor was an English teacher. Uh-huh. So we did have kind of a translator, but it's amazing how much of communication doesn't Come through language. Hmm. It's just
1: nonverbal. Yeah.
0: You can get really far with gestures. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, every culture has their gesture. Uh I know, I remember in India, they would nod their head to the side when they were saying no. Oh. Which more resembles a head nod Uh for us is yes, Mm. but it means the opposite thing. And you have to (laughs) pick that one up pretty quickly. That's funny.
1: Yeah, I'll bet. Well, so you got another eight months to go with what you're talking about this one year trip. Where where did you go next? Okay. So
0: I went to. Um The friend of mine went to Greece to do an art program. Uh-huh. After that six weeks, I went with her, but we parted ways. And that was my first solo wow, traveling experience in Greece. Experience. What in part Greece. of Greece were you in? I was in Athens, and then she was on a Greek island, Paros. Uh-huh. Um, so I got to go to a few different islands. I can't even remember, Yeah, but compl- alone. But I did meet up with her at some point. Well,
1: But now from what I understand, okay, when I was in college, it was way before you, but I had a friend, um, this woman who was from Greece, and she explained to me what what it was like with the men and just so insane i mean didn't you run into all of that you know that? what
0: i don't even remember that part of well, it well maybe which... you put
1: out a vibe that was like hey don't mess with me
0: like a grungy backpacker vibe <laughs> um i yeah I don't, that doesn't stand out for greece hmm. i just remember the funniest thing for greece was that i was dealing with a stomach i i'd gotten sick in it in india
1: yeah
0: um and so i was traveling to Greece with like leftover stomach issues from, so oh, that was geez. a big, that's a big lesson to learn while you travel. You can't expect that you're going to be totally healthy. So Greece was a lot of like mm. going to pharmacies, talking to doctors again, language barrier, yeah. but calling my mom and saying, what do I do? Like, you know, what kind of food should I be eating if I'm not feeling well? it was mm. like a big learning experience in that way.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and then to continue, I, I ended up in Italy after that, oh, I
1: love Italy. What part?
0: I went to Rome, Florence, oh. and Venice. And this
1: is by uh, still by yourself. By myself. Wow, Natalie. And again, yes. I'm thinking, okay, so again, you're still 19 and a half or something still like
0: 19,
1: that. Yeah. Wow. And what what was that like for you?
0: That was um, that was different. I had never been to Europe, so that's a totally different experience than Latin America mm-hmm. or India. So in a way, it's safer. So I felt. A little better coming from India to be in Europe. Just a little more like I didn't have to worry so much about the language barrier. Uh-huh. A lot more people speak English yeah. in Europe. And then um, it, it was just fun to hop around to hostels. I ended up meeting more people in Europe than...
1: Uh, was other it more travelers. Americans or?
0: Some were Americans, some just other European travelers or people from Australia. So that was kind of a way that my time where I realized how many people travel.
1: Jeez, what an experience. And a yeah. lot of kids your age, too. Was a that lot of
0: kids a little older. A little, yeah, I think they were surprised that I was 19 yeah. <laughs> walking in with my backpack. But I loved that. So to kind of answer your question, coming back from a trip like that, mm-hmm. and I did go home and continue to work, was hard. And I ended up transferring schools after my first year. So oh, I didn't okay. go back to the first place I started, yeah. which I didn't mention before. I went to school in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And I after that year... I realized I wasn't the same person anymore and oh, I didn't bad. know why I don't think I'm, I think I'm still figuring out what impact travel has had in my life. And it's hard to put it into words sometimes, but I decided to, I wanted a smaller school. I okay. wanted more of a community feel. Mm, yeah. So I ended up going to St. Lawrence university, um, because of that. Uh-huh. And they had a good global studies program. That's where I was like, okay, this is how I'm going to continue my interest and study culture.
1: Well, so then as you're going through college and now you're starting to approach the time when you're going to graduate, did, did you have a clear idea of what you wanted to do?
0: No, not at <laughs> all. I thought, like to what you were saying before about these study abroad experiences and how mm-hmm. life-changing they can be, I always had it in the back of my mind that I should work in the cultural exchange or cultural education mm-hmm. industry to encourage people like me who wouldn't have done something like that to consider it or persuade them, you know, or be a counselor at a at a school to say, you should go study abroad.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's, you know, something you bring up, just awareness is not so cut and dried, you know, of, of what's even available, that it's even an option to consider something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. And the study abroad, I, I actually studied abroad in Chile in college after this trip. Oh,
1: you did? Okay. For another
0: semester. And I think that's where i realized that it actually cost me less money to study abroad that semester than it did to attend university mm-hmm. in my, you know, New York college. And that's something they don't want you to know. And in a way, I think they want you to stay on campus and they want,
1: um, well, sure. You know, they want
0: the the money. They want the money. Whereas in in my sense, I found my own program. I didn't go through the school. So Uh. my money went elsewhere for that semester, but I saved like a lot of money. So it's possible.
1: But that's another point though, that it, it wasn't a program that existed that you created it. And apparently you had to, I don't want to say talk them into it. You had to justify it to them, you and did. you did. So yes. you got the full semester's credit.
0: I got more than enough credit where I could have graduated early.
1: Really, just kind of
0: like a a loophole yeah. in the system. So yeah, they have these programs. I mean, the university you could attend will have a lot of, hopefully, a lot of options for you, hmm. but. You don't have to stay on that track. Uh And I think a motivation for me was I didn't necessarily want to travel and study abroad with current classmates. I wanted to meet other people. So I ended up going through a third-party company, Hmm. basically, that offered this program. Um, My school let me go because they didn't have a program in that country. They didn't have a Chilean study abroad program. So if you want to find your own thing, you can find it. It might be cheaper for Work. you and you might have a totally different experience than your friends.
1: Yeah. Well, see, that's another thing. I mean, there's peer pressure and, and just, I don't want to say wanting to fit in, but just kind of going along the, the path that everyone knows about. I mean, it mm-hmm. sounds to me like you say you found these programs. It still sounds to me like you created these opportunities for yourself.
0: I like that way. Of Ultimately. Putting it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think so.
0: I, I think some people are motivated I think we're all motivated by what other people are doing. That's clear. I mean, you can't hide from... Or
1: influenced by... Influenced, yes.
0: Influenced by what other people are doing. I think the way I carved my own path was trying to do an alternative route on purpose Mm. and really seeking that out. Mm -hmm. Um, And you do have to push yourself out of your comfort zone. And sometimes it's not perfect. You know, It doesn't go along with the image that you might have. But I'm starting to realize that I to do something that's quote unquote different, Mm -hmm. uh, was a huge motivating factor. And I think just all being open to whatever would happen, not assuming I would know the outcome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I can really resonate with so much of this. I mean, I like to tell this often when I get on a plane, you know, everyone fills up the front of the plane first, just because of that. I go to the back (laughs) period, you know? Yeah. And, and also, uh, taking this in a leaping off the cliff without, you know, knowing the net is there, but trusting it's going to appear. Right. I think that's a big part of it too. That's a big, you just got to leap. Yes. You know, with a certain amount of self faith. Yeah. That's going to work. And
0: sometimes I always say this when people ask me about travel recommendations, they want to know everywhere to go, everything to do. And I always say to people, lower your expectation mm. or don't have expectations. Just go into just it. Just Show up, show up and see what happens. Because if you're going in expecting the outcome, I don't think you're ever going to be satisfied with what you actually receive or what actually happens. Mm. So it's almost like set yourself up for whatever, be open to whatever. And also don't expect a certain thing Because you might miss out on something.
1: You know, I'm going to add something to this, too, because I like I've had some experiences just the past couple of years. I'm in a situation in life where I could do this, where I I went to Maui for five weeks at a time twice. And I'm about to do it again. And I did a few weeks in Colorado. And um, I remember the pressure at first to figure it all out, you know, start researching. Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Have it kind of laid out? Not exactly. But, you know, and there was a point where finally I just it was it felt too stressful and it was it was almost stressful to not do it. But yeah, (laughs) but I decided to just, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna wing it. I don't have to see everything that's there. I'm just gonna show up. And those have been the best trips of my life is when I show up. And then as you know, things happen. And I think it, it leaves space for synchronicity, serendipity. Mm -hmm. You know, did you experience that too?
0: Absolutely. I think, yeah, when you go in, it almost takes the pressure off of what you think Mm. It's going to happen and it allows you to be more
1: relaxed and open. Relaxed,
0: yeah, and more appreciative Mm, because you, I don't know, I think taking the, yeah, I've definitely experienced that, um, the not planning thing. I think I still, if I ever do travel now, which I don't get to do as often. I don't book anything in advance, and that freaks a lot of people out. What about out. the lodging? Maybe the first night. The first, whoa, okay. I still, there's something in me that loves the uncertainty uh-huh. about what's hmm. going on, um, under-researching. I don't know if that's because of that pressure, like you felt to do everything right or to see all the right places. You can never check everything off your list. So I love to book the first night accommodation somewhere, but then spend the rest of the time just looking at a map or talking to somebody. Well, let's, I want
1: to get into specifics with this as, as one example. Okay. So you're traveling somewhere. Maybe you can even give an example of something you did where you, you book one night. I mean, I get that in the context of what we're talking about. On the other hand, the pressure to me to fly in, you know, some different place, arrive. Okay, great. I've got a place to stay, but what do you, to then figure out what to, where to stay next? I mean, can you give me some mm-hmm. example of, of this experience for yeah,
0: yourself? Definitely. I'll give you my most recent one. So I went to Norway okay. in the fall mm-hmm. um, and I had a week of vacation. So I was like going as far away as I can to a different <laughs> place that I might not ever stumble upon in, uh-huh. the, in the future. And I highly recommend Norway to everyone. I booked the first night in a hostel. So I'm 26 years old now. Okay. I was used to that. Yeah. Hostel life, right? Uh The dorm room. Don't recommend it at all. (laughs) Unless you're 19. Like I said, you can, (laughs) you can recover quicker from that. Um, and I did that and I had the worst night's sleep ever. Okay. The most sleepless night. Just a lot of noise, people coming and going. Uh That's typically how a hostel is. Um, and I had a moment where I was laying there and I thought, I should have done this differently, but I don't regret it still. Like I'm going to make a better decision tomorrow and Mm. a little more informed. Mm -hmm. So the way I do it is I use either a lonely planet guide or Uh the internet to find my next place. So I tend to do a little research on that. Um, and I ended up, this time I used like a Hotel Tonight, which uh-huh. is an, a, I'm an app. I'm familiar with
1: that. It's a great app.
0: Great app. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I have a job now. I don't need to stay at the $30 dorm <laughs> okay. beds. So I had this amazing room for the second and third night that opened up different opportunities. Uh, and, for me. and
1: again, you got it not based on a recommendation because that's another thing. If you're at a hostel, especially just talking to people, hey, what's going on? Where should I stay? Yeah. But, so you did it through Hotel Tonight, that app. Mm-hmm. And and that Placed you somewhere.
0: Placed me somewhere.
1: And then you just <laughs> it took actually it from there.
0: Placed me in Stockholm, Sweden, because that's where I went the next oh, day.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: So I spent a night in Norway. Um, a friend of mine said to me, "I want to meet you in Norway, but I can't come until the middle of the week." And I didn't know where I wanted to go in Norway, mm-hmm. and she's a similar traveler to me, so I thought, let me go to Stockholm. For the weekend while I wait for her to meet up with me. Um, And it was a total last minute decision. Okay. Like last minute thing. But yeah, it was through talking to people. You kind of have to say, so where have you, where are you coming from? Mm. That's the first question. Mm -hmm. Did you just get here? Are you on a trip from another place? And people love when they had a good experience, they love to share it. Yeah. And they'll give you honest feedback. Uh And it's relevant because it happened like the night or two before or the week before. So... I ended up, uh, free walking tours of Stockholm saved me for those two days. Um, cause I love to travel on a budget, but through that, just talking to people is mm. how you discover everything you can, I guess, without, um, following a guidebook. Yeah.
1: Wow. So I want to step back in time for a minute. So you, you graduate college. What, what's the next step? I mean, you're graduating. What do you do?
0: Freak out for a long time. (laughs) Still realize I don't have any clue what I want to do. And you can't travel forever. Mm -hmm. I realize that. So I went home and I worked. At the end of that summer, I had a lot of pressure from everyone to get a job Mm -hmm. to move to New York, to Boston to start my career. Get
1: serious. Get serious. Uh And and
0: people say that to me. Okay, you had your fun. Right. You know, you love to (laughs) do whatever and be spontaneous. Uh But that doesn't pay the bills <laughs> and they're right. It doesn't. Well, I can't, well, but that's a different story. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't, it hasn't for me. So I started looking up jobs and reading the, the descriptions and then starting the application and not finishing it. And not because I didn't think I was qualified. I just couldn't get myself
1: Th- that just to was do no it. Passion, it sounds there like. was
0: no passion. Yeah. And I thought I could move where my friends are. Mm. I could do that. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. But What is that? Where is that going to take me? So some sleepless nights in there and I decided, all right, one more trip. It's going to be six (laughs) weeks long. Okay. This is my last trip. And then I'm going to be an adult. I'm going to get a job. (laughs) I'm going to get an apartment. I'm going to move to the city and do the thing that everyone else is doing. Get
1: married, have a baby, grow old. Okay.
0: Even though I've never liked to do that. So I sort of assumed that that wouldn't happen that way. I booked a trip to New Zealand. I can't tell you why exactly. I thought it was the coolest, most, you know, farthest away I Mm -hmm. could go. And that's all I did
1: was just book. Just to Auckland or where?
0: Good question. So I did have a friend and I said to him, where is the place in New Zealand Mm -hmm. that if you're going to go for a backpacking trip, where should you start? And he said, Queenstown. Mm. I'd never heard of it. Okay. Queenstown. All right. Let me see if there's an airport in Queenstown. There's an airport <laughs> in Queenstown. So, Auckland is the capital. Auckland's on the northern island, yeah. on the northern tip of New Zealand. Yep. So, I did have to fly into Auckland to get to Queenstown. Uh-huh. But once I had that recommendation, I was like, okay, Queenstown's where I'm going to go. Did you um, book
1: your first night lodging?
0: <laughs> did I? Oh, I did have my first night. Okay. Only the first night. Just
1: the first night?
0: The story to that is I met somebody on the plane going over there from hmm. L.A. So uh-huh. the way I got to New Zealand, you fly from New York to L.A., uh-huh. which is at least a five-and-a-half-hour flight. Mm-hmm. Layover From L.A., there's a direct flight to Auckland, which is about 13, 14 hours. And then you have another two-hour flight to Queenstown. On the flight from L.A., I met a girl who... Happened to work in Queenstown and she, wow.
1: well, here's the serendipity. Okay, right. go ahead. I'm, I'm not surprised. sitting next to her. Uh-huh. Yes. Of course and you're I, sitting next to her. Right. Right.
0: And I'm like, she, I, she asked me, I'm not as big to go up and talk to people
1: uh-huh.
0: on planes everywhere else, but I don't really like to chat on planes, but she asked me where I was going and she said, oh, I live in Queenstown and I work there. And I was like, oh, what do you do? She worked at a store retail store. And so I kind of thought, okay, she seemed older than me. I was a little confused. Like, oh, you work at a store, but you're coming from LA. Like it doesn't make sense. She was home visiting. So she kind of took me under her wing and she was like, yeah, I have tons of friends in Queenstown. We all work at stores. We all work at restaurants. So come meet us when we get off the plane. Let's go for lunch. Wow! So we go for lunch at the cafe ended up working at in the future, which is you know, their favorite place. <laughs> okay, I met all these people and I didn't book, have to book any other accommodation. and ended up moving in with them and getting a job and wow, staying. Wow, got a
1: job. And obviously this wasn't, you were going to go, what was it, six weeks or something? Six week
0: backpack trip. Okay,
1: th- like your last trip before you get quote serious. All right, so you, you go, you meet this person on the plane, you go to Queenstown, you get a job.
0: They hired me with no restaurant experience, uh, God yeah. bless them. They believed that I could... Uh, you know, yeah, so I got a job. They were like, Do you wanna to start tomorrow? You have a trial. It's very common in a place like that where okay. you go and give it your best shot and then mm-hmm. they decide. And I got the job and I called home and I said, Mom, Dad, I've really done it this time. I'm uh, I got a job <laughs> in New Zealand. I'm not gonna come home after the six weeks and yeah, I met some cool friends. I've been sleeping on their couch <laughs> and I'm painting this story like I'm this you know, crazy wild And you're 21, child. by the
1: way, or, just, or 22. Yeah, Put I think this it in was just 22. Okay, go ahead. I just want to get that down.
0: Um, yeah, I was just 22 and um, everyone there had the mindset of, well, you're young. You should do it now. Mm. When else are you going to do something like this? Yeah. And a little bit, I was motivated by that job application I could never finish at home. I knew what was waiting for me. I didn't know what awaited me in mm. New Zealand. And I had never worked in the, re- the restaurant industry, and I'm so glad that I did now, and mm. that I have that experience, because I never understood you know how hard that was. It was a good way for me to build up my you know adulting um, <laughs> schedule by starting at a restaurant. Uh-huh. Living in New Zealand, I had an apartment with some friends, yeah. with those friends. I was going to say,
1: now you're making friends, you're set, you're kind of creating a community, right?
0: And meeting these people that have been there for years hmm. and do a totally alternative lifestyle hmm. from all over. So Queenstown's not New Zealanders, it's typically, it's a lot of English, uh-huh. um, a lot of people from the UK,
1: mm-hmm.
0: a lot of um, Canadians. Americans and then South, South Americans, So it really pulls from all over the world. It's almost like a hub of just kind of wanderers for lack of a better term. Wow.
1: So how long did you work there?
0: So I stayed for a year.
1: Oh, you were, really,
0: I stayed for a year. I had a year visa. Uh
1: huh.
0: They give you a working holiday visa if you're under 30 huh. and you can only use it once. And I, I ended up staying. I picked up a few other jobs, um, Stayed for the whole year. I couldn't leave. I couldn't get myself to leave.
1: Well, but what happens now you're approaching the end of the visa period? What are you thinking? You thinking now you're going to go back to the States? I mean,
0: I thought I would never, I thought I would continue to do something like that, like live abroad um, for a couple of years, Uh I figured. However, as an American and your American visa, you're very limited Mm -hmm. on where you can go. And the reason is that we're not as. Welcoming as other countries are, meaning we have so many people wanting to come into the US and we don't let certain countries in. So, in return, they're a little more strict with American passports. Okay. So, you learn about that. And I went home after that year, um, again, looked at all my stuff and thought, why do I have, why have I acquired so many things? I just lived without all of it and I was so much happier Mm. than, you know, obviously living at home, I guess. So I didn't one last backpacking trip. I still not done with this travel story. (laughs) My gosh, I flew to Nicaragua by myself after this New Zealand trip. And that was my last hurrah. I mean, officially it was a four month backpacking trip, but yourself, backpacking Nicaragua, which again, not recommended as a woman traveler. At least at this point, I was 24. Yeah. Um, But I met people that first night, again, Hmm. who I ended up traveling with for three months. Oh, geez. So it's so much about being open to that. And people who travel together, that's so great. (laughs) If you're able to travel alone, you will talk to people. Mm -hmm. You have to. Yeah. I mean, it's such a different experience. And people love to talk when they're on their holiday or vacation. So it's a really good atmosphere for it. And being open to that made lifelong friendships. For me,
1: yeah, I think traveling like that is a culture in of itself. Yes, you know that, and and again, my experience, of course, it was a lot more tame in a sense, Maui, but still, because I went alone for five weeks, knowing nobody, right? I created this whole community there. Yes, I mean it was because
0: you kind yeah. of thrive in that. You have to make up uh, your your group, mm-hmm. your tribe, essentially.
1: Yeah. That's, a, that's actually where I was very inspired and began one of my two podcasts. That's where Extraordinary, Ordinary People started was. Was oh, out of Maui? Never would. Yeah. wouldn't have happened. I met these characters there and I came up with this idea very spontaneously about interviewing people with unconventional lifestyles. Cause. Cause you that, meet them yeah, on trips like that. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that really deeply affected me and I feel changed ever since then. So, wow. you know, I keep seeking it. So, So, so you do that and then, um, all right. So what happens (laughs) finally, you come back after four months in Nicaragua,
0: right? Yeah. I, Oh, I did that same summer job. I kind of fell back into the weird thing when you leave your home Mm -hmm. so frequently. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was, uh, my home. I went away for a year. I came back. I went to college. I wasn't Mm -hmm. spending a lot of time in that place. So to come back to it, it's almost like you revert back to the age you were before yeah, you left. Yeah, I
1: get that you regress.
0: You regress a little bit, yeah. and especially living with my parents, I felt like a child <laughs> all of a sudden instead of this individual I'd built mm. myself up to be mm-hmm. around other in a different setting. Mm-hmm. So it was hard. I I actually, you know, the Sleep With Me podcast that Drew Ackerman Ackerman. is here, he got me through my comeback from travel withdrawal because I couldn't sleep.
1: Yeah. And let's explain. I mean, the Sleep With Me is to help people with insomnia and and tell stories. You listen and people fall asleep. People who can't (laughs) sleep. While they're listening. That's what it is.
0: People who can't sleep will, will, like me, Uh you look up sleep, you know, methods, like Hmm. things to do. Do you count sheep? Do you you know, little things that make your brain shut off. And I stumbled upon that podcast post-traveling. And he told these stories that just basically take your mind off whatever you've been worrying about. Mm -hmm. And that could be your future. It could be your nostalgia for what you've just, some amazing experience you've had. People can't sleep for all different reasons. Mm -hmm. And he helped me kind of transition back. So it's coming full circle now that he happens to be at this podcast. Right, right. Because that was a big thing. I mean, you have to sleep to Mm-hmm. to live. So I listened to his podcast. I, um, it took me a little while to get on my feet. I think as much of an amazing experience traveling was for me, I kind of ran away from a lot of the rigid um, things I kind of needed to build up mm-hmm. to, to be on my own again, um, to get a job. It's hard to to do that in the mindset of a nomadic traveler yeah those two are very separate i wasn't thinking about my 401k or my you know what my salary should be or what Mm. my work um what things i could sell myself for in an interview all that stuff was second to the nomadic lifestyle so it was hard transition and I think it's hard for a lot of people. I don't know after. I mean, after five weeks in Maui, I'm sure you have a little bit of that. Like, uh, how do I go back to my?
1: Yeah, that that was tough. I mean, in the, in the long run, you know, I it resolved itself. But that transition, you know, it's almost necessary in a sense. And and then it worked out. But so does this bring you now to now? I mean, you have a job, and and I, in a moment, I really want to learn about your podcast too. Oh, but right. yeah,
0: we should yeah yeah.
1: But you but what did you do as far as a job?
0: So. A few odd jobs. It was really hard for me with travel on my resume to get in the door.
1: Oh, they're wondering if you're going to stay put too.
0: They're wondering if I'm going to stay put. They're wondering why I didn't have all that experience with the internships Mm -hmm. that everyone else had or Mm. those entry level jobs where you're getting coffee, Uh you know, that get you in the door somewhere. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any of that. So I didn't get a lot of callbacks from my resume and I was really I was almost I was trying to see that as a sign that it wasn't the right thing. I was I was applying to the wrong places. Oh, There you go, sure. But finally through a friend, there were connection with somebody. Mm-hmm. I got my foot in the door somewhere mm-hmm. and I started working, but it took me almost a year. So I was doing out jobs, nannying. Huh. Um, and then I finally got something and it was a really great foundation for me. It wasn't the industry I wanted to be in. It was in events and Mm -hmm. planning um, and running events, Mm -hmm. which I've give so much credit for people who um, do that. It takes so much energy and effort and time. But in the meantime, when I had that job, a job I really wanted first, I heard back from Uh three months later. So I started working. I had applied to a study abroad company and coming full circle, wanting to encourage people to study abroad uh, is a huge passion of mine yeah. or travel.
1: Yeah, great.
0: So the company called me back and there was an opening and so now I work for them and I've been there just under a year. Um, with, you know, my two weeks vacation, I'm very normal, uh, (laughs) 26 year old now. Uh So that's where I am now. And it was in the middle of this past year where the idea for the podcast came. And I think I was really missing that deep connection that the the conversations you have with people you meet traveling Mm. kind of what you kind of the same thing that got you to start your podcast was how can I talk, get people to open up with me? How can I open up more? And I felt like my daily conversations were, describing what my last weekend was and what my next weekend mm-hmm. was going to look like. And very, um, in the moment, very, you know, surface level, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I was wanting more. So I love podcasts. Obviously the sleep with me podcast was my first introduction to any podcast. I didn't really know what they were. Oh, okay, And I discovered a few other ones for, you know, non-sleep hours mm-hmm. and loved the amount of information that came from a podcast mm-hmm. and how open and raw it was. So my goal was to be on a podcast. That was my first goal. To
1: host one. Oh, right. To oh, be a guest. A guest. Okay. Thought,
0: someday in life, I want to be someone that someone wants to talk to on their podcast. You I don't know what?
1: what. I don't know if you realize this right now. You're a I guest know. on a podcast. It's happening right
0: now. <laughs> Can you tell I'm like so nervous? No. But yeah, so that was it. I thought I want to be on a podcast and then it was on that trip to Norway mm-hmm. meeting more people again realizing so many people have a story to tell and yes. not everyone's given the chance yep. to share mm-hmm. so i decided to start my own and the first name of it which it's not called was inspired by beings because i was like people are so inspiring it could be the person the you know the homestay the person who did the nonprofit in peru To the person I lived with in India or the person I work next to in my cubicle, everybody has some kind of story to tell. So, so far it's in the, you know, the baby stages of the podcast, but I've already had such deep conversations and have been able to let people open up and share how they got to where they are. So it's called Not Another Wellness Podcast because (laughs) I... My first love is obviously travel, mm-hmm. but my second love is how to be well and how to do your whatever you want, whatever makes you tick uh-huh. and go in that direction. Mm. Kind of like a nomad in a way till you find the food and you can survive. So it's like where are you where is it going to take you? Where's your passion going to take you and where has it? Mm-hmm. And let's share those stories so other people can be inspired to take that leap of faith as well.
1: So this is how people can find you is not another wellness podcast. Do you have a website too?
0: I'm working on the website. It will be called the same thing. Okay,
1: but for now we've got that. And how about reaching you on social media?
0: Yeah. So my Instagram handle is naturally nomadic. And
1: Oh, I like that. Naturally nomadic. And
0: my name's Nat Nat, so it kind of ties in with my Nickname. So it's naturally underscore nomadic. That's my Instagram. It's a little bit of a passion project. I'm I'm streamlining it and to be more of the podcast as well. And the podcast is, yeah, we're everywhere podcasts are, not another wellness podcast.
1: Well, well, Natalie, I mean, I, I think that, you know, obviously you're someone who's easy to talk to. You have a lot to say. I think you're going to do really well with this. So I urge people to uh, search in their podcast app for a, not another wellness podcast, right? Yes. Reach out to you with social media, naturally nomadic, nomadic. right? Yes. And I can't wait to hear what happens next with you. I'm going to follow you and see what happens.
0: <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah.
1: So thank you for being on the show. Oh this gosh. has really been fun.
0: It was so, thank you for giving me this opportunity. Sure. such a treat for me. Great. So there you have it. That was my interview with Andy. So grateful for that opportunity. He really offered me his time in such a gracious way. And I hope you guys check out the wedding biz at uh, Kushner and his podcast, Extraordinary ordinary people. And also shout out to Lori again, Lori LaDuke. You are amazing and it was so great to spend that time with you and you're really the reason I got to meet Andy in the first place. So thanks for your bubbly personality and pushing me out of my comfort zone, especially during some of those social gatherings. You're way more extroverted than me and it was like a really good time to kind of interact with the new people. And Yeah, so I just also want to thank my parents for pushing me to travel and be this adventurous person that I like to say that I am. I've been really, really fortunate to have all these opportunities so far and now to be living in Colorado where it's pretty much never-ending adventures out here. So much fun. I'd love to connect with you guys if you're ever out in the Denver-Boulder area, reach out like i'd love to meet up with you and i can't wait to see what the new year brings um also check out laurie's podcast wiener dog lover what else can i talk about here podfest um, is a great opportunity if you're interested i think it's usually in january february every year and yeah just feeling super grateful for this and thanks for listening to me ramble and rant for the past 12 months now you guys are awesome and i can't wait to continue have a great holiday season. I hope you, your holidays are filled with family and love and wellness and fun. And uh, yeah, so let's go. Let's do it. 2019. Cheers, guys. Bye.